Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch. It is recorded in the book of John that Jesus once said, If he is lifted up, he will draw all people unto himself. Christ's death, resurrection, and ascension are all linked to this glorious exaltation, and it is a call made to the entire world. No class, social status, race, or gender is excluded from this declaration. That is why we lift up the name of Jesus on this program every day. Our teaching pastor is Dudley Rutherford, and we join him right now with today's message. I want you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians, if you're new, we're in a series called The Kingdom of God. And inside are some sermon notes, an outline. We do this every week, and uh, there are three little holes we punch for you. We go to all that effort just for you, help you out, uh, so you can keep track of these outlines uh, week by week, series by series. But here's where we've been thus far. We're looking at a chapter per week in the Bible. We start off in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. We looked at kingdom lives. Last week, chapter 2, we looked at kingdom courage. And today, I want to talk to you about kingdom battle, kingdom battle, 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 3. Last weekend, chapter 2, we looked at in light of Satan's desires to thwart the work of God in our lives, that we need this thing called kingdom courage. And today, we talk more about the quote-unquote, the battle that we face every day with our adversary, the devil. You may have heard about an evangelist by the name of Bud Robinson. And one day, this guy walks up to the evangelist and says these words. He said, I don't believe in the devil. I've never met the devil, never seen the devil. I don't believe that he's real. And the evangelist said, well, of course not you never meet anybody when you're going in the same direction but if you will simply turn around and get on the Jesus road you'll meet him face to face last weekend we finished up in chapter 2 verse 18 when Paul had these plans for the Thessalonians and he had plans for himself but he said it very clearly he said but Satan stopped us That was kind of the end of chapter 2. And it's important to remember that Satan will do everything he possibly can do to keep you from becoming a Christian. But then after you're saved, after you're saved, and you have the assurance of everlasting life, amen, Satan will still work on you because he wants to render your testimony irrelevant. And so he'll try to get you to be unfaithful. And if you've been here the past few weeks and you understand the context of this letter, 1 Thessalonians, you'll recall that the Thessalonians was a church, it was a new church full of new believers. The church was only about 20 years old. Now this church that you're sitting in here right now, this church started over 100 years ago. This church is 100 years old. That's old. But not so the church in Thessalonica. It was a new church. It was full of new believers. And even though we read last week that they were maturing and they were were growing in their faith, they still had some valid questions. They, 
they were wondering why they were being persecuted. They had questions about the second coming of Jesus Christ. They wondered why Paul had left so suddenly, and where was he, and was he ever coming back? And they wanted to know why this thing called the Christian life is so difficult. Paul, in answering these questions, he writes this letter. He's reminding them that Satan is still on the prowl, trying to thwart the plans of God for them, for him, and for the church as a whole. So as we dive into chapter 3, Paul is continuing this thought process from chapter 2 in revealing that Satan is real and he's still on the attack and there's still a battle to be fought. It's a real battle being waged against all of us as believers. How many of you are excited to hear the sermon today? Now... I've got four things that we need to be aware of, be engaged, all right? And I want you to get all four of these. Number one, write this down. We, as Christians, need to explain to new believers that persecution and trials, those things are to be expected. It's normal. Now, this may be obvious to those of us who've been around here for all hundred years, But for a new believer, it's difficult to piece all this together. It's hard for them. Let's look at chapter 3. There's 13 verses. We're going to look at all 13 today. Can someone say amen? Amen. So verse 1, again, he's trying to get up there to see them, and Satan has stopped him from going up there. Verse 1, so when we could stand it no longer... We thought it best to be left by ourselves here in Athens, and we sent Timothy. Everybody say Timothy. He's our brother and God's fellow worker in spreading the gospel of Christ, and we're sending Timothy there to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. Now, I want you to look at this map back here. We've looked at this the last two weeks. You can see Thessalonica. It's all the way up north of the Aegean Sea. It's on what we call the 405 freeway of that day, connecting uh, Asia to the east, to uh, Rome and Europe uh, to the west. It's a port city. It's a wealthy city. It's a multicultural city. And Paul, we know, went to that city, and he was there for three Sabbaths, three weekends. He walked into the Jewish synagogue, and he reasoned with the Jewish people that Jesus was the fulfillment of of all their scriptures and he tried to get them and let them or talk them or lead them into putting their faith in Jesus as the Messiah and there were a handful of people who who accepted this message and they believed in that message and there was a little tiny New Testament church that started up there in Thessalonica but after three weeks Paul got ran out of town there was a riot uh, and they they forced him he had to flee for his life he ends up down there in Corinth or Athens. That's, that's modern-day Greece. And so he's, he's down there, and, and, and he, he, he can't stand it. He so wants to know what's going on up there. Now, back in those days, they didn't have automobiles. They didn't have email. They didn't have text messages. Uh, they, they, they hardly had roads. And so what he decides to do we just read it, he sends Timothy from Athens to go up there, according to verse 2, 
and to strengthen them and to encourage them in their faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. Everybody say unsettled. unsettled. Now here's what the word unsettled means. This is a Greek word. The Greek word unsettled means it's the wag- that, that word is a word that they use to describe the wagging of a dog's tail. Everybody do this. That's unsettled. The wagging of a dog's tail. So what Paul is saying is, is I, I, I got to send Timothy up there to strengthen them and to encourage them because I don't want you... You see, they were being tossed back and forth by the trials. They didn't understand the trials. They didn't understand the persecution. They had these questions. And Paul said, I'm sending Timothy up there because I don't want you to be tossed back and forth anymore by those trials. You know quite well that we were destined for trials. In fact, verse 4, those three weeks that we were with you, we kept telling you, which means we told you again and again and again and again that we would be persecuted. And guess what? It turned out exactly that way, as you well know. It's a conundrum. Everybody say conundrum. It's a conundrum. You see, before you got saved, now this is before you started coming to church, before you got saved, your life was a mess. Some of you, your life was a wreck. You had problems up to here, kind of at the end of your rope. And so you tried everything else, you decided to try God. And you started coming to church, and one day you realized, hey, Jesus can forgive me my sins, and you became a Christian, and at that moment of your salvation, God washed every sin you'd ever committed away. He washed your past away. He forgave you of all your transgressions. He gave you what's called a fresh start, a new beginning, a do-over on your life. And you woke up the day you were saved. You were feeling great. That's the first time in a long time you felt great because you knew everything in your past had been forgiven. Oh, it was a great day. And then, the very first day, some of your friends turned against you. And some of your family members started questioning you. And some of those same temptations that you battled before you you were saved were were still there and and still in front of you. And some of you began to feel the the pressure of some type of persecution at work or at home or with your friends. And you started asking yourself, well, what's happened? I I thought Jesus was going to solve my problems. I I got saved and now I have more problems than I've ever had before. Paul says, don't be unsettled by those trials. We kept telling you that we would be persecuted, and it happened exactly as we explained. Now, this is my humble opinion. We don't do a very good job of telling new believers that persecution and trials are part of the deal when you sign up to be a Christ follower. It's actually impressive, impressive, that in the three weeks that Paul was in those synagogues explaining that Jesus was the Messiah that he found a way to tell them over and over again that, hey, if you come over and believe that he's the Messiah, you will be persecuted. That, that's impressive that he told them that. Second Timothy, he told Timothy, he said, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be 
persecuted. If you're not being persecuted, you're, you're probably not really living the way Christ wants you to live. 1 Peter 4 says, dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. In other words, that's just part of the deal. All of that to say, we have to do a better job, or shall I say, a more thorough job of telling people as they are contemplating becoming a Christian what it's going to cost them. Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, when he was talking to those who were listening to him, he said, if you want to follow me, you're going to have to deny yourself every single day and pick up your cross, which means you need to be willing to die for the sake of the gospel. And in that same text at the end, he says, And some of you will die if you make this decision. A couple of weeks ago, we baptized 800 people on one weekend here at this church. 800 people, one weekend. We didn't tell one of them. Oh, it was just all heavy. I'm getting baptized. Oh, come, baptized. Clap, 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 clap. We didn't tell a single person, those 800, hey, if you get in here and get baptized, we just want you to know it could cost you your life. That warning should not be the fine print that you don't ever read. That warning should be bold, highlighted, and underscored that following Jesus and living in the kingdom of God means a constant battle with our adversary, the devil. And that battle doesn't ever diminish. It only intensifies the longer you serve Jesus. All you got to do is look to Jesus. He's the king of the kingdom. He's the one we follow. And Satan attacked Jesus at his birth. He attacked Jesus as a teenager. He attacked Jesus when he was baptized. He attacked Jesus throughout his ministry and even nailed him to a cross. And if he's our leader and he had, Satan attacked Jesus, then you better get this through your skull there. Satan's going to attack you as well. It's part of the deal. Number two, write this down. We need to examine every day, not some days, but we need to examine every day the fruit of our labor. Both the fruit and the labor. I like that point. Now, verse 5, there's a lot in this verse. He writes, for this reason, when I could stand it no longer, he's got about two hairs in his head. He's trying to pull those out. He was, he was that frustrated. I sent Timothy to find out about your faith. And then he says, I was afraid. That in some way. What was he afraid of? That the tempter might have tempted you. And that our efforts might have been what? Useless. Two things. Write them down quickly. Number one, you can sense his emotional investment. I'm talking about a mere, sheer, emotional level as you read through this letter 
You can tell that he loves these people. Last week he talked about how he was motherly towards them. He also talked about how he was fatherly towards them. And here in chapter 3, he's worried, sick, he's afraid, he is burdened, his heart is heavy. Why is his heart so burdened as he's concerned that somehow the tempter, the prince of darkness, the evil one, that Satan himself has somehow gotten into that church and tempted them and perhaps some of them have fallen to, uh, uh, to the side and he is emotionally distraught. It's just like a shepherd who has a hundred sheep and he loses one, the one goes astray, that he leaves the 99, and his emotions are so stirred for that one who is lost that he searches all night until he finds it. It's the same thing. He's emotionally invested. But number two, write this down. You can also sense he's kind of measuring his effectiveness. He's wondering if his labor, his work had been in vain. His efforts, his preaching, his processes have they been effective have they been useless our job as a church is to lift up jesus and to point people to jesus as you look across this vast landscape called los angeles our job is to reach as many people as possible and over the years we literally have seen tens of thousands of people come in and out of these doors and many people were here for a year, two, three, and then one day they're just gone. Fell by the wayside. What happened to them? And does anybody care? We had this thing the last several years called COVID. You ever heard of it? Y'all heard of COVID? And this church because we didn't know the statistics we, we, we closed our doors for about two months and then we started to see the statistics and the governor deemed the church non-essential and he you know he said that coffee shops Starbucks is essential he, he said the casinos are essential he said that the abortion clinics are essential. And then he said, he said this, he said the liquor stores are essential. But the church, he said, non-essential. And after a couple of months, we decided to open up the doors. And the government came out every week and find us. Every time we opened the doors, they were here, came in here with a Government guy had a pad, wrote stuff down, and sent us a bill. Sometimes it was $500, sometimes it was $2,000. But every week they find us. Even up to last Easter, I believe, they find us, came out and find us. Eventually that went to the Supreme Court and all that stuff, and they said the church, you can't tell the church they can't meet. So my point, here's my point. No, 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 no. Here's the deal. When we opened for a year, we were open for a year. Seventy percent of the church didn't come back. Seventy percent. 
It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. If Pastor Dudley's message has been a blessing to you, we would like to encourage you to consider joining in partnership with us so we can continue to be here every day to bless others with this important ministry. Your gifts, whether large or small, are greatly appreciated and go directly to help keep us on the air. You can find out more about supporting us by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. We have a special gift for everyone listening today to help with your daily Bible reading. It's our Anchored Journal, a complete 365-day Bible reading guide and journal that will help you stay connected to God's Word throughout the coming year. It works with any version of the Bible you are currently reading. The Anchored Journal comes in a choice of colors and can be yours right now for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. It's as simple as calling our toll-free number, 888 818-4777. You won't want to miss out on this limited time offer, so be sure to call right now. Our number again is 888-818-4777. The Anchor Journal can also be found on our website, liftupjesus.com. That address again is liftupjesus.com. Get yourself anchored to God's Word with your personal Anchor Journal today. Hi, my name is Kathy, and I lead the Anchor Cancer Support Group here at Shepherd Church. On August 17th, 2011, I heard the words that nobody wants to hear, and that is, I had cancer. And when I had um, that diagnosis, I did not want to share it with anybody. But God had a different plan in that for me. And so it was pretty clear that during my surgery, my chemo, my radiation, all the side effects that I experienced, and even losing my hair, that God knew that I was going to be where I am today. The things that I experienced when I was going through my journey by getting love from other people, getting food, getting prayers, uh, even provisions that I didn't expect was such a blessing to me that I knew that I had to turn it around and give it to others. So God put it on my heart to lead a cancer support life group in my home We call on each other, we take each other to our doctor's appointments, and we pray for each other right before we're getting ready to go in for our treatments or our scans. We also provide food and and support for them during their journey. Later on, when I was ready to start the group, God gave me the name Anchor. And I know now why. Because when you think of an anchor, you know that it is linked to a chain. And the members of this group are the links of that chain that we're linked on to one another, strong, standing firm to our Father, who is our anchor. And together, we walk this journey with them through this storm, knowing that we need to depend on each other and through our Father in heaven. This group is for everyone. If you're going through cancer, if you've already gone through all of your treatments and you are in remission, it's also for those that are part of the family. Maybe it's you're the caregiver, Maybe it's your co-worker. It also could be for the spouse or the children. And more important, this group is for those that have lost someone, that have 
finally gone to see our Father in heaven, and they come back, and they share their journey, and they love on one another because they've walked that. There are a million and a half people in Los Angeles County living with some form of cancer, and I am so grateful to Shepherd Church for opening up their doors to allow us to have this amazing ministry here. The people of this community need this ministry, and we are so happy to be able to have it here so that we can give them hope and encouragement during their journey. I'm Dudley Rutherford, Senior Pastor of Shepherd Church in Los Angeles, and I'd like to invite you to our services on Easter weekend. Maybe it's been years since you've been to a church, or maybe you've never been at all. Well, this Easter would be the perfect time to experience a community of people who believe in what God can do in your life. Join us at one of our three locations, Porter Ranch, Woodland Hills, Aqua Dulce, as we celebrate the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us tomorrow at this same time as we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.